welcome to the Insolvency and Law podcast, providing specialist insolvency and debt-related advice for business owners and individuals. For more information on debt recovery, business restructuring, and personal and corporate insolvency, visit our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk, or call us now on 020 7504 1300. Hello and welcome to the Insolvency and Law podcast. Insolvency and Law is an award-winning consultancy firm specialising in insolvency, debt purchasing and business rescue. And today I will be speaking with Director Peter Murray, insolvency expert extraordinaire. Trust me when I say Peter is a literal encyclopedia of all things insolvency and business rescue. The passion he has for what he does is undeniable. And he has made what first might seem perhaps a little dull, be incredibly fascinating and at times even exciting. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to him today about a topic I believe will resonate with a lot of people, and that is bad investments and Ponzi schemes. So um, before we jump in, I just wanted to say that uh, the reason we wanted to do this episode is because we, we see such a high amount of incidents that crop up where people have made an investment thinking it's going to be lucrative and they get disappointed when it goes sour. They're not able to get their funds back. The company's just giving them radio silence. And that's amongst an array of issues that they end up experiencing. So, Peter, just to begin with, I wondered if you could just explain a couple of things. What is a Ponzi scheme and what constitutes an investment gone wrong? So that's kind of two questions in one there. Okay, well, the first, Sarah, a Ponzi scheme is an actual scheme an actual investment scheme, well, it isn't really an investment scheme. It's actually a scam. And it is set up to whereby um, investors are attracted with high returns if they come with their monies and invest. And those um, investments are used to pay the returns of the of earlier investors. And so the money's just circulating. You get new funds come in by new investors to pay the returns of the um, older, of the more previous investors. And so the funds are not really invested. Those funds that that the new in- investors pay in, those funds are not invested. They are straight away paid out to um, previous investors who are waiting for their returns, i.e. their interest payments. So there's no actual legitimate business activity taking place? No, there isn't. And as these funds are paid, to, as the new funds are paying old investors, uh, the old investors, they grow with confidence and then they tend to invest more. And as they invest more into the scheme, uh, again, those funds are used to um, pay returns to older investors. And it's just a cycle. The more returns they get, the more they invest. Uh, The more they invest, the more returns they get. It goes from the newer investors to the older investors. And eventually the scheme does implode at some future date because, you know, soon enough there'll be, there won't be enough incoming funds coming in to actually pay for the returns of the uh, previous investors. Yeah. And I guess that actually really answers the other question as well. That is an example of a bad investment where nothing's actually truly growing or 
you know, appreciating. It's just nothing's happening with it. Well, it's actually, you know, it's a crime. Apart from lifestyle, Sarah, I'm sure um, I'm sure the organisers of these schemes are siphoning off um, a significant amount of the funds um, for other commercial ventures or perhaps their lifestyle or for some other um, ill means. But Oh, very um, good point. Yeah, certainly not going back to the investors. No, and I suppose this begs the question that this comes up, we see these very often, these incidents. Yeah companies that do this and am I right in saying that these are actually very sophisticated operations these aren't just a couple of teenagers in their bedroom trying to make a quick buck well it could well be a couple of people behind these schemes but not necessarily teenagers um usually those behind these schemes are pretty savvy yeah in as much as they know their way around the investment marketplace they know the investment market conditions and so forth. They know that the, the sort of like behavior of the typical investor. And so they're able to put together a scheme, an investment scheme that is attractive yeah. and you know, market that scheme to unwitting or unsuspecting investors. And the whole idea is, you know, just offer the investor you know, much more than what they are getting, make your offer very attractive and um, put it out to as many prospective investors as you can. And you are as short as night follows day, you you are bound to attract unsuspecting investors to invest part of their money into your scheme. I think a, a very good point you made is that these people are very savvy and they do know their way around the finance industry. Um, so, you know, really anyone can get duped, you know, even if you yourself are a professional or an intelligent person, you know, it's no one is necessarily immune to the wrath of a Ponzi scheme. As we know from, you know, the story of Bernie Madoff, I mean, that went on for about 17 years, didn't it? It did indeed, didn't it? I mean, wow. Yeah, Sarah, I've seen, I've come across a number of these Ponzi schemes, believe me. And you know, the investors, the victims, they don't come from any particular demographic. No. Uh, you know, you get the super wealthy, you get the wealthy, you get the middle class, you get the you get those who are aspiring to do better with their lives. You get all sorts of professions. Um, you get all the professions, even lawyers, believe it or not. Wow. Um, as well as school teachers and firemen and those from the health service. And yeah. you get all sorts of people. And again, it's there's no discrimination to age, no. uh, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, usually sort of like late 50s, early 60s uh, in terms of age. Um, so, you know, there's no colour, there's no creed, there's no age, there's no demographic, it's just no discrimination. It really is. There are individuals out there, what you get from your bank deposit these days, you will be lucky if you can say to me, well, hand on heart, I get 1% return from my bank the banks are not paying one percent and you know if you want a return a better than average return then you know you won't be looking at your bank you will leave your bank and go elsewhere to look for that better than than average return I mean there was a time when the banks this is I'm going back a few years but when the banks are paying as much as 15 percent interest wow on your deposit, but yeah, but I'm going back a few years. 
But, you know, that doesn't exist no more and it hasn't existed for decades. And so now, you know, you'd be lucky if you get 1%. So, you know, if there is investment proposition that is offering you 8% or 9 or 10%, and then, you know, that's going to perk your interest. And if it sounds, if it reads well um, and looks well, you'll probably go along with it and invest your money and expecting your, you know, 10% return. And you may get it once or twice. And as you get your returns once or twice, it may be monthly or quarterly or half or um, half yearly. You know, once you've had your interest payments once or twice, you'll get even more confident. And if yes. you had invested, say, £50,000, then you'll probably go and, you know, put another £50,000 in into the same investment scheme or even three or four times more. No, absolutely. Most investors, they tend to get their feet wet by investing perhaps 10% of what they really want to invest. And once they can see that they're getting a return on that 10%, and then they pile in with the other 90%. And that's when it tends to go wrong for them. I think that's a good point also to, to raise and to highlight for people is that, you know, often you will get some money back once or twice. You know, that's how they keep you kind of, they appear, you know, you will yeah. get a return just to kind of save face, just to show, yeah, we're legitimate. We're giving, we're giving some of some returns back here. Um, but, you know, while these people are clearly savvy and they've got it all like worked out, from what I've seen, the limited amount that I've seen, there are little red flags, are there not, that, that you can kind of do your due diligence and think, you know what, I might not be dazzled by this because I guess it's really easy like you said the banks aren't really offering much so I guess it's very easy for people who want to invest to get dazzled by these shiny prospect people who seem who are really good salespeople as well you know they might be able to sell ice to an Eskimo you know yeah so the you know one of my favorite quotes of yours that we did on a recent advert was if it seems too good to be true it probably is too good to be true so which is very true <laughs> exactly what are those little red flags that maybe people aren't so aware of that would be handy for them to know when they're doing their due diligence to avoid you know falling into a situation like this well I suppose you've got to look at yourself and ask your, yourself some questions first and foremost and that is as a you know, you know if you consider yourself to be an investor then what is your appetite towards risk? Mm. Are you risk averse or are you not? So if you're risk averse, uh, th- then you're perhaps better off staying with the bank. Although, you know, bank deposits and, you know, they tend not to offer that much of a return. But once again, there is no risk. There's very little risk or no risk to you, the averse risk investor. Um, if you are an investor, look at your risk and you want and you look at your risk profile, or your risk profile will seem to suggest that you know your appetite for risk is somewhere along the spectrum of medium, then of course, you know, you may go for some high growth investment schemes, but they whilst they offer high growth, they are indeed risky. But the level of you know high it, it won't be medium to high you know, in the medium range. And I suppose because you're 
investing in the medium range, then your returns are going to be medium or above average, but just. I was just going to say, is it also worth mentioning that there are investment opportunities, high return prospects that are legitimate? You know, we're not saying that just because there's a high return there, it's a Ponzi scheme. Is that right? Obviously. Correct. You're very right. Yeah, there are high investments. uh, Sorry, there are investment schemes that do deliver high returns, but those investment schemes are enormously risky. So how can one tell the difference? Well, um, they should, well, you should actually look at their track record. Um, Although past performance is, you know, is no guarantee future performance, but you should actually look at their track record. And you tend to find that these schemes that promote themselves as high as high returns or offering high returns, look at their track record and find out if they are um, if they are um, regulated by the yes. uh, Financial Conduct Authority. Nine times out of ten, and I do say nine times out of ten, you find out you find that these investment schemes um, are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Do some research to find out how long the, the company has been going or how long the investments have been going. And usually you tend to find that these companies have been going for less than five years. Oh. Um, so how can you, you know, establish a track record, you know, if you've been going for less than five years? Um, right. You tend to find that they, these investment schemes that are being promoted are less than five years old. Because after five years, around four or five years, that's when these investment schemes tend to, you know, come apart at the seams and actually do actually collapse. It's a very good point. If it's a Ponzi, you know, it will, not that it may, but it will implode at some future date. And, you know, usually, you know, four or five years tends to be a time when um, even the most sophisticated, well-oiled Ponzi scheme will actually fall apart and collapse around about four or five years i guess not everyone can reach the 17 year mark then <laughs> uh, no, no no you've got to be no you've got to be super uh, super savvy yeah so peter i guess this takes me on to kind of the most in, important part really which is you know once someone's made the investment they've committed they've done that and they're struggling they're at the point where they're struggling to get any money back perhaps the company's gone radio silent you know we those kinds of incidents we see time and time again. What can someone like you do to help them take the next steps to get out of this situation? And whether it's a Ponzi scheme or not, by the way, I'd just like to emphasize that now we're talking about, you know, whether the company's a Ponzi scheme or they're not, sometimes you don't, it's hard to get your money back and they do go silent, whether they started out with good intentions or not. What can you do to help potentially sort that situation out? We take over the position for the investor and uh, we immediately give notice that, you know, that we acquire the return of funds, which is the investment capital and the accrued interest to date. And we give a very short, specific period of time in which to, for the fund owners to provide us with those funds, failing which we immediately take legal action to recover those funds. And you have to act quickly because if you don't act quickly, then you run the risk of losing everything. So you must act quickly. And uh, what we do is very quickly 
almost immediately undertake legal action. And when we do that, nine times out of 10, we are successful in our recovery. Wow. So really acting quickly is is key, to be honest. 100%. You must act quickly. You know, if you're getting your regular returns, well, that's good. But once you, once a uh, payment is missed, once an interest payment is missed, uh, and if and if it's more than seven days late, then I would immediately take action because that because that tells me something is wrong, something is not quite right. If they've missed your payment or they've or they've taken long to make you to do your interest payment, then that tells me that that, that there are some cash flow issues, and maybe or probably the company is now insolvent, i.e., unable to pay their dues to investors as those dues become due, so to speak. I think that's a very good point to emphasise as well, because I think a lot of the time these companies will try to stall people, won't they? Oh, we've got yeah. this issue. Oh, we will. No, then another seven days, another seven. And these innocent investors kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and go, okay, well, you know, it's only you're only seven days late. I'll give you a bit more time. So what you're saying is actually really, really useful for people is that if it is as little as seven days late, seek help. Take action. Yeah. Yeah. If it is more than seven days, take action. Don't wait any further. Take action. I mean, even if your suspicions are not correct, so what? Yeah. At least exactly. At least you get paid. But, you <laughs> exactly. know, at least you get paid. But you know, investors, you know, they can wait months and months and months. Uh, I know of investors who've waited more than a year wow. to get uh the interest payments. You know, and and during which time, you know, the the schemes organisers have just, you know, organised the funds and have disappeared off planet Earth and you can't find them again. And what was the reason? What would you say the reason for that year wait? Is it the investors just giving them the benefit of the doubt and waiting? Uh, Yes, because you have someone from what they say is investor relations, making contact (laughs) with the, making contact with those investors with an explanation of some sort as to why their interest has not been paid. And especially over the last, like, you know, two years, they've had the greatest, most plausible excuse going. And, Absolutely. And, which has been the COVID excuse. And yeah. as a result, some investors have not re- received interest payments for, you know, coming up to two years. And they've just accepted that those payments can't be made um, because the company was going through, you know, this pandemic, this COVID-19 pandemic, which really and truly affected, you know, would uh, had no adverse effect whatsoever. But that's the explanation that was given. And it just buys these, these schemers, you know, more time to get to more individuals and to make more money illegitimately from these schemes. Absolutely. And I think it is really important to reach out to someone such as yourself who does have the expertise of navigating situations like this, because I suppose if you don't reach out to someone who's an expert, you know, you might get past the point of no return. You could put a foot wrong. You want to really make sure that you tackle this in the best way. So reaching out to somebody, you know, like insolvency in law is is key, really, in not putting a foot wrong when trying to hopefully retrieve your funds. Yeah, surely, because we do take the pain away from you. Um, Immediately we take over. 
uh, immediately we make we give notice to the uh, to the schemes operators uh, that we have an interest in the investment. Um, we also make a demand for the uh, capital that was uh, invested and the unpaid interest that has so far accrued. We give them a very short time to pay that. And in the absence of payment, we do go to court straight away. And, you know, we do take legal action to recover those funds. And once we've taken that legal action to recover those funds, you know, we could bring the whole thing, you know, crashing to its knees. But that's not what we want to do because we understand that there are other investors who would be seeking to, you know, recover their funds too. So our only concern, or, or I should say our chief concern, is to um, take legal action at the earliest opportunity, recover our funds plus the costs we expended in pursuit of the legal action. And then, you know, we're on our merry way. We've um, recovered what we're due. And, uh, yeah, we're um, off into the sunset, so to speak. Brilliant. I think yeah, taking the stress away is actually a really key point that you made because it's important to remember that this – this is actually very stressful for people. You know, people have invested large amounts. They could have sold a property. They could have, you know, it could be life savings. The prospect of losing that entirely is actually pretty distressing. So, you know, having someone who can take a bit of stress off your hands is actually going to benefit you in more ways than one, really. Yeah, surely. Um, You know, this is not something you can do on your own because these guys, they are these you know these schemers they are experts yeah. they are professionals at what they do um putting up fake uh propositions to attract unsuspecting investors to invest uh they pay them interest every so often just to get them to invest more monies and to tell their friends and family members and you know and then they all sort of like pile in with more funds and it's almost like a snowball effect. Yeah. The longer it, it goes on, more people are investing. But because more people are investing, more people are expecting Absolutely. a return. And when you can't match the expected level of return from the investments that you are getting in, then you realise that you are now you know, running out of road, so to speak, and eventually you implode. Absolutely. Well, Peter, thank you so much for sharing your insight onto this you really are an oracle when it comes to all things insolvency thank you sarah i think you know it was a mini episode but i think we covered a lot of key points for people to to take with them things to look out for you know what exactly is a ponzi scheme and also you know how to how to seek help and what that help might look like so i think that's really key for people to to know and to take home with them absolutely sarah they must seek help at the very earliest opportunity once seven days gone, no pay, then take action. Yeah, everybody note that down. Seven days gone, no pay, take action. It's a new yeah. slogan. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Peter. And uh, I look forward to the next one. You're more than welcome, Sarah. Great. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Insolvency and Law podcast. If you require additional guidance on any of the topics we covered today, visit the Resource Centre at our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk or call us now on 020 7504 
1300.